Welcome to episode 115 of the Half Point Crew Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, and for the first time in what I think has been about a month, joined by both producer Johnny Pham and co-host Dalton Willie at the same time. Not for long. Johnny's got to go be a, a pro kickballer here in about 15 minutes, but we've got the full gang here for a little bit. How you fellas doing tonight? Who would have thought? I'm, I'm doing good. We're a week away from football or close to a week. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see Johnny again after his European escapades. <laughs> did you listen to the beginning of the, the last podcast or no? Uh, what, what did you say your favorite pasta was at the beginning of it? I don't remember exactly what you said, but no, not even close. <laughs> you did not mention pasta, but okay. Thanks for listening. Always Johnny. Oh God. We've, we've got a fun show today. As Dalton mentioned, we are at the moment of this live broadcast, eight days away from real football. When some of you are listening to this later on in podcast form, probably uh, much closer with, within a, a week or less. So we're going to talk some draft strategies, but before we do that, Dalton, we're going to make some, I guess what I'll call, call them final stands, final calls on some of these guys that we've we've been saying um, for the last month, you know, just just wait, see what August brings, see see what happens with these guys in the news cycle. Well, we're to that point. It's August 30th. It, it is draft time. There is no more waiting. We have to make calls on some of these guys. But first, you know, since I was given uh, a five-minute solo segment last week, I feel like I should just let you and Johnny just vamp, just, just have a nice conversation here for five minutes, just take it over. What do you say? None of our listeners want to hear the kind of conversations Johnny and I have one-on-one. <laughs> Facts. All right, we'll start with what everybody is talking about, and I mean like literally everybody today, and that is Jonathan Taylor. It's funny. I was literally pulling his ADP in this little doc that we have, RB9, 22 overall, and then – Five minutes after I typed that, we get the news that he is going on the PUP. There is no trade. And so we are not going to see Jonathan Taylor until at least October. And beyond that, not totally sure. I know there's, and I'm becoming more familiar with uh, the CBA and accruing contracts and, and all of these things through the Chris Jones stuff, through the running back stuff with the other guys and last year. So I know Jonathan Taylor has to play at some point to accrue a year and avoid being stuck in the same deal as as he is right now next year. But, I mean, we're not going to see him for at least a month, Dalton, and we don't know what team. What, what do you do with Jonathan Taylor days away from drafts at this point? I think we need to start by taking the bottle out of Jim Irsay's hand because that man is losing it. He's calling Chris Gear in Miami and saying what's Jalen Waddle in a one for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, personally, he's just on my do not draft list. This is a situation where I think he's very quickly going to end up uh, maybe playing one or two games saying he's hurt and holding out the rest of the season. Or uh, it really seems like both uh, Jim Mersey and Jonathan Taylor are at an impasse. I don't know if you've looked into Jonathan Taylor's agent, but apparently he's a terrible agent. He's been fired by multiple MMA fighters for misrepresenting them in contract negotiations. His biggest clients are only fans models. 
Uh, this this guy does not have like he is not a good agent. You have to look into this agent that Jonathan Taylor, by the way, fired his old agent in in the spring and hired this new agent, and then this entire negotiation process started. This new guy is absolutely wild. I, uh, it's kind he, of a smart agent, not gonna lie. I didn't know OnlyFans. Me neither. Jo- had agents, so John, I, I want it on the record. Dalton is telling us to go look at OnlyFans agents. That that is That's his exactly advice what off, he said off the top of this show. If you were to follow uh, who retweets us on Twitter the most, it would also be OnlyFans. <laughs> I think that goes with a lot of things that a lot of people are putting on Twitter right now. I was having a conversation last night, and there were random likes popping in there, and they were almost all uh, spam. Uh, we'll call them OnlyFans pages. That's what it is. But yeah, it's uh, this is a t- he's a terrible agent. He really is. I really am concerned that this is going to turn into a long-term holdout and you know, 2 years from now Jonathan Taylor is going to be the same boat what Bell was, which is going to say I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I boy, it, it it's so hard because, you know, RB9, I had him at RB5. So I I was just assuming and clearly wrongfully so in this case that that he was going to come back he was going to play all was going to be well i i don't really know what to make of the whole pup thing because there are rules if you look them up that i think a doctor has to actually clear you to get off the pup but also i just like genuinely do not really believe that 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 is all happening on the up and up right now. Like I, I think he's on the PUP because he wants to be on the PUP. Do I have proof of that? No, of course not. But that that is just my my feel of the situation. Like to give uh, an idea a ballpark, I think he's got to go down to the point where you're not drafting him as a starter anymore, which is painful to say for a guy that again, if you're playing week one, he's my RB five. Um, but you look at at my ranks, and it's like, you know, I have Brees Hall lower than you, but he has to be below Brees Hall. Like, Alvin Kamara suspended three games. He's going to be out at least four. Do you, do you take him or, or Kamara at, at price, like, if you're faced with that option? Like, I I think I lean Jonathan Taylor because I have less concerns about a fall-off like I do with Kamara, just given the age and what's happened the last couple of years. But, man, like, I don't know. It, it, it's just really brutal. Dalton, if you're faced with that Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor choice, I know you said you don't want Taylor, but everybody has a price. Let's just say you get down to the point in a draft where it's like, okay, I, I'm drafting one of these guys. One of these guys is going to be my RB3, and, and I'm going to take a swing. Which guy are you taking? Oh, I mean, uh, it's easy for me. I'm taking Alvin Kamara. I think I think RB like 40 range is where Jonathan Taylor needs to fall. Ooh. I don't think – I don't think this is a situation where we can like say he's going to be back at all. The ankle surgery he had is a two to four week timetable for return, and he had it in January. It's clearly not about his ankle. It's clearly not about his back, which it was earlier. This is this is two people who do not agree with each other and do not want to have a conversation about it. And Jim Mersey is willing just to park him on pub all season long. I don't know if you saw the press conference with Chris or with uh, Ballard. Well, I was seeing some quotes as I was uh, commuting home from work and at stoplights, which you shouldn't do that, but I was doing that. And yeah, it was a, uh, it was very much a, Hmm, like, 
who like I, what is what is the gift like i wonder who could have done this like it, it was like the guy in the hot dogs yes, saying yes. that basically is how we're all how looking for the guy who did yeah this. we're all looking for the guy who did this that's what it is yeah it, it's it's terrible and i don't see them coming close to it chris Boward came out and said they asked him if they think this is going to hurt anthony richardson's development and he said well did not have an elite back hurt andrew lux it the, the entire front office is in lockstep that they're not going to pay him and that jonathan taylor needs to get over it and jonathan taylor seems to be in the other chair and it doesn't help when they're asking for more than the chiefs got in return for Tyreek yeah, Hill. yeah for they're, they're they're asking for things that people would have been like really when the chiefs were trading tyree kill if, if it would have got out they were asking for that yeah so that that just tells you that i i think it tells you they're not serious about trading him and they're i think they're gonna bully him in, into playing at some point this year because i i just think he has to what what else? I, I know i know the agent point I know you can't always inject common sense into these situations because that's not what always wins out, but just common sense tells you like he's got to play at some point. I, I just think he has to. He might play at some point, but are we getting the best Jonathan Taylor? Is he going to come out there, play half a game, and at the advice of his agent say his ankle hurts? This is Trent Williams a la four years ago with the Washington Commanders where he didn't play a single game to force contract negotiations i i really think that this all starts with a terrible agent and he's going to continue to get terrible advice until he gets a new agent and then he's dealing with a terrible owner who also i mean he goes out there and says if jonathan taylor dies tomorrow no one's going to care about him but also <laughs> i want a first round pick for the guy it's just it's a terrible situation and i'm avoiding it at all costs in fantasy football um because even then you still have like deflated concerns about Richardson maybe not being good and Richardson stealing work from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing actionable with this next part, but the alarm bells went off in my head when I saw that the Packers were apparently the other team who were making an offer. Now that leak could be coming from the Colts which doesn't mean it's not true, but it may mean that the seriousness of which the Packers were pursuing that may be overstated, understated. You know, I, I don't know, but like, why, what, why, why are the Pat, why is, why are the Packers one of the teams who, who want to get involved here? Well, and I don't know what is going on there. And I also, I know it came out after the fact that the Packers were involved with it. I haven't seen the Packers confirming they were involved with it. Yeah. I don't know if this is another one of those situations where people are just, you know, the rumor mill got started and then somebody's agent decided to throw some fire on it and say, you know, yeah, the Packers did want to trade John Taylor too, trying to drive his price up. Um, I, at this point, like with players like Josh Jacobs and their holdout, we have an answer. We know what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's just like with Chris Jones for the Chiefs. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. And I just, I'm not going to risk my fantasy draft for it, especially if it's a top six round pick where I know I might never get production out of them. Yeah, no, it, it's fair. It, it's hard. You, you can't really, I don't think you can fault anybody for whatever their opinion on Jonathan Taylor is right now, because it's, we're all, we're all always just guessing, but we are, we are really just guessing in this situation. We, we should probably look at that Colt situation just briefly before we move on. Dalton, uh, you have Zach Moss still left behind there. I believe he is still hurt. I don't know what his stats for week one is going to be. You have the rookie Evan Hull out of Northwestern, who they drafted, I believe, in the fifth round. You have Deion Jackson there, who 
you know, was around last year. wasn't He had his moments. wasn't exactly inspiring when Taylor was hurt and out of the picture last season. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking Mr. Outside higher is what I'm hoping for in this backfield here. What do you what do you think? Well, it's ter- Deion Jackson. It, I mean, he he did fine in like replacement games, but running backs their first game playing for a team they always do fine. Uh, but then you have Zach Moss who broke his arm. <laughs> and his his timetable puts him returning week one uh, at the early. I think it was like a four to six week injury. Um, so he's somebody. Evan Hole is probably the most interesting because he's one of like a few power five running backs to have a 22% target share in his career. I, I also think he's the most interesting because he's the one we don't really know anything yes. about from an yes. NFL perspective. So, um, But as a fantasy player, I agree with you. Like we're looking at this and I, I didn't think I would be praying Leonard Fournette signed anywhere, but like Leonard Fournette. Well, I'm, ho- I'm, ho- I'm hoping this is Kareem Hunt because yes. we, we, we got the, the news when he was working out in new Orleans that he, uh, that he basically just quit that workout and left and went to Indianapolis. And we can assume it's probably because he was getting probably more money from Indianapolis and then nothing has happened. So I, I am hoping that's what we're in for. I think if, if nothing moves, if nothing changes, if this is the backfield in the week one, you just, you're going to have to wait at least a week before you can decide if you're starting anybody. And I'm with you. If I'm taking a waiver shot on somebody, it, it's the rookie because we don't know what we don't know, so he has more upside because we don't we don't know what he is in the NFL yet. But we do know Zach Moss lost a starting spot to Devin Singletary, who's not good. And we do know that Deion Jackson was only thrust into a starting role last year after I think three guys went down for this Indianapolis team. Those are those are not good, Bob. Yeah. All right, let's jump into a few more final calls here, and then we will talk some draft strategies as well to close this one out, Dalton. Uh, let's start with J.K. Dobbins, a guy that, you know, we, we both talked up pr- pretty good in, in the later parts of July, and then we just kind of chose silence in <laughs> in, in August as he was going through the, the kind of hold-in stuff. I, I guess, I don't know about you, but I'm under the impression that he's playing. Like, I, I haven't seen anything to indicate he's not playing. Like, he, he's back at practice. I can't lie and say I know his participation level at every practice, but seems like that is at least resolved for now. So are you in or out on J.K. Dobbins at the price tag of RB19, which is 49 overall on Fantasy Pros right now? Well, I like good players. J.K. Dobbins is a good player. I like good offenses. Ravens offense is going to be pretty good. I like good offenses to score a lot of touchdowns. Ravens should score a lot of touchdowns. So I don't really see a reason not to draft him. Uh, I also, looking at who's around him in, in his ADP, it's pretty bad. I mean, you have Damian Pierce, who I've made my points clear on. You have Alexander Madison, who I've also made my points clear on. Uh, Miles Sanders right below him. James Cook is now f- four spots underneath him. Yeah, uh, that, Those are all absurd to me. Um, I don't know if you saw... J.K. Dobbins was interviewed today, and they asked him about Todd Munkin's new offense. If no, I have passes, and he said, "I guess we're going to see." But did get you a little excited because it seems <laughs> like he knows something we don't. Well, um, he has the skill set. Like if you just go back to college, he has the skill set to do it. Um, and then the NFL, it's been all about scheme and who he's playing with. Now, who he's playing with hasn't changed what the scheme has. So we'll see if we can get a little bit of an uptick as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm all in. I is he probably going to like? 
it's hard for anybody to even project him to have a, a lower rushing volume in this offense because he was already doing a 50% split in the previous offensive coordinator's offense. So all around, I'm not worried about it. I like where the, the value is. I think this time next year, if he's a guy who gets 65% of the carries and, you know, two or three targets a game even, he's getting propped up in, like, the RB15 on oh, if, if, at a if minimum. He, if, he did, if he does that this year – and stays healthy, he's going to be a top ten running back. That will yeah. he do that? That th- those are big questions, big assumptions based on the last couple of years of J.K. Dobbins healthy and not healthy. But but yeah, I'm I'm with you here. Like I I am very much in on Dobbins. I, I love the talent. Always have. I think people who have listened to this show are pretty well aware of that at this point. And you know the argument would be. Like I, I've seen the same you have where the volume concerns and the argument would be, well, if they're going to run the ball less, he's going to be a 50, 50 split in an offense that runs even less, which yeah, if that happens, that's a concern, but I will say th- this is a crutch argument. So I don't know the answer to this question, but I do know this is a guy that made a stink at the end of last season that he wasn't the one getting the money touches in in the red zone when they ran the QB sneak and Huntley got the ball punched out. Like, you know, maybe he can inch his way up to give him 55%, you know, 58%, like still probably slightly below average for a very good running back, which I think he is if he's healthy, a very good running back in the NFL. I think all of these things though at RB19 are priced in. So I'm totally good. We've been over how he looked last season when he came back. Down the stretch, he he was awesome. And he was awesome efficiency-wise as a rookie when he was healthy. I, I'm buying the talent at the price with J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I'm buying it all the way. I love it. I think we both have him above ADP still. Yep, yep. And I've even uh, calmed down on him as opposed to, to earlier in the summer. But, yeah, I think we're still both uh, pretty well above that. Terry McLaurin, uh, this is a tough one because this is only on here because of the injury. Wide receiver 21 and 52 overall is what we're looking at for Terry right now. I don't know um, how that ADP has changed since the injury. I would assume it's fallen a little bit. It'll probably continue to fall a little bit more. So let's just say early 20s at wide receiver. Are you in or out on Terry McLaurin at that price? Yeah, this one hurts. I'm I'm likely out. For a few reasons, I mean, there's already a question mark. I think we're both bullish that Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy can kind of turn this offense to something better than last year. But there was already a question mark about what that outcome was going to be like. Uh, and now you have a turf toe injury going into the season, and it's something that can follow a player for the entire season. It's kind of like a low ankle sprain where it just continues to affect their gameplay. So that's concerning. I mean, upwards of four weeks is what he could be missed, is what I was reading when he initially sustained the injury. And then I also, and this is the same issue I have with DK Metcalf, I like his counterpart better for values and drafts. I love drafting Jahan Dodson. I love drafting Tyler Lockett. And, and it's difficult for me to draft both. So I'm out on Terry McLaurin just for all of those reasons. I still think he's an incredibly talented wide receiver. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, Dotson is a very small part in that, but the, the injury is the main thing. And I think he does need to move a little bit lower in the ADP. In my opinion, you said it with turf toe. It is often something that can really linger. And it's funny. 
you know, people should go watch the Darren Waller video up on our YouTube, uh, the short and the video. But as I was clipping that video the other day, we made the joke at the end of that video that Waller, when he gets hurt, he's just out. He doesn't he doesn't mess with you by being injured and playing through it much. He'll have like a game maybe where he's active or something, but like it's not like a whole year thing. Turf toe can be something that McLaurin is dealing with. It is limiting him, but he's not on the injury report. So we, we don't know for a fact that that's bothering him, but it is probably hurting his performance. Like, I think that's what we're in for, sadly, with Terry this season. And that that's why I am out at the price. You would have to drop, uh, I don't know, eight to ten spots for me to, to really be in on Terry McLaurin. Like, I think I'd probably rather take Jahan Dotson than Terry McLaurin right now. Yeah, and looking at his underdog ADP, he's fallen six spots over the last week, so he's mm-hmm. he's dropping quick. All right, Javante Williams, a guy who is slowly inching his way up the ranks, Dalton. RB23, that is 60 overall for Javante Williams, which, you know, I wanted to be in on Javante Williams. I was in. But the crawl ha- has just gone up and up and up. And at this point, it's a little too high for me. Now, I have him at RB24. This is more about overall rank. Like, there are more receivers who I would stuff in there and quarterbacks and maybe even, like, a mid-round tight end or two, I, I think, where I- his overall to me would be a good round or half a round at least lower uh, at this point. Like, We'll talk about this in draft strategy too, but when you look at that running back area, to me, he's the top of a tier of uncertainty where you get to guys with injury concerns, holdout concerns, uh, just workload concerns. He's kind of the first guy in that tier, and I just don't want to take the first guy in about any tier if I can avoid it. So that's one thing. And then uh, did you see what, their offensive coordinator said yesterday, Tuesday, about Javante. I did not. What did Joe Lombardi say? So um, this is starting in the middle of a quote here, but the question was basically just a reporter asking about Javante's workload in week one. Like, what would that look like? Is he going to have the full workload, basically, was the question. And he said, when you say a full workload, I don't know exactly what that means, but with the other runners that we have in that room, he'll be able to get into that mode. Might not be the first game, but by the end of the season, we'll be able to manage his workload to where he'll be feeling good. I don't love that answer for his fantasy prospects. I'm not saying that's like the death knell, but it wasn't super encouraging for me to hear. Yeah, well, you add that to Sean Payton's history. I mean, he's always been a two-back backfield going with like Pierre Thomas, uh, and then obviously the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara days. And you look at their addition of Samaj P. Ryan, who looks like he's a good accent to Javante Williams that he's fully healthy. Um, that kind I of thought you're gonna, I thought you were going to say superstar Jaleel McLaughlin. Yeah, it's preseason superstar. <laughs> um, but I'm with you on this. Uh, I'm out at him at 80 to 24. I want him to be good. I really do. I think it's good for football. It's good for everybody. Um, and he very well might be. It's just at that high of a pick, I fade. I, this was described by Benjamin Albright, who's a beat reporter for the Broncos, but he said, this is like a superhero comeback from a multi-ligament knee injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it is. I mean, J.K. Dobbins was limping on the field last season after this injury. Yeah. Uh, and if he does come back and he does it, that's good. But I, I fade outliers and I try to keep myself in line with that. It's the same reason why, like, 
Terry McLaurin was a huge fade when he first came to the NFL because he's a hand clapper. It works for him and it works for just him. Like, and you want to fade those outliers until they prove you wrong. I'd rather miss out on the great season than draft him for a frustrating season. I, I think at that price, which is basically yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And with, I mean, I still do love the value of Smash AP Ryan. I think people are underrating how, mm-hmm. how much he's going to get worked in that offense. And he's just a good runner altogether. All right. Kadarius Tony, a guy that we have not talked about much since the meniscus tear, I think in the first three seconds of training camp, uh, wide receiver 46 is his current rank amongst receivers. That is 114 overall. Dalton, I know this was a guy that you were big on. Are you still big on Kadarius Tony? I mean, he's free. <laughs> not free. Why does he forty six? That's not nothing. Uh, the more it's not, it's not expensive, but not nothing. The more that we've gotten through this offseason and we've gotten to see the corresponding moves Kansas City is making, I'm very concerned that this is going to be a wide receiver by committee team. Uh, we're, we kept seven wide receivers on the active roster. Uh, large, I'm just largely out until I see anything out of it. First, I I think I would be more in if Kadarius Tony was on IR right now. We knew there were four solid weeks where he was not going to play football. Well, G- GM Brett Veach just said that there's a it, there's at least a chance. I don't remember the exact phrase. I mean, he's going to play week one. So when the GM says that, you got to think he'll probably be on the field week one. Yeah, and what we're we're likely going to have is what we had last season, where he's playing thirty percent of the snaps, and you, you see the flashes of what makes everybody love him, um, but he's not on the field enough for you consistently to do that. And then all of us Twitter nerds get to tweet out his targets per route run is like thirty eight percent because he's only running ten routes a game. Uh, so no, I, at cost especially, I'd rather take Sky Moore. Um, maybe like I think Sky Moore is just the Chiefs wide receiver to own at this point. They already said that Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice were going to be two guys that they worked in the rotation and that Sky Moore was slotted into their two wide receiver sets. So he's the guy I want. Uh, Kadarius Tony needs to show me that he can be on the field for more than 30% of the snaps at this point. Again, if he was on the PUP and was missing four games, I would feel more confident in drafting him because I would feel more confident in the status of his health. I just don't know if Kansas City's rushing him back or not at this point. I'm glad that we can disagree, not like vehemently, because I actually, I literally wrote in, but barely <laughs> is, where, is where I'm at. I'm Kadarius Tony right now. I'm with you that like I have Sky Moore ranked ahead of him. So faced with the choice, I will take Sky Moore over Kadarius Tony in drafts. But just at this price, wide receiver 46, I'm in on it. Like, I'm not going to actively seek it out, but if he falls to me and he's there, I'm taking him and I'm feeling not great about it. It's not going to be like the the smartest guy in the room pick like it would have been about a month ago when he wasn't hurt. But I I still think I still think that this is a chance worth taking. I know, like I said, not free, but he's cheap. And at this price, you don't need for him to be healthy the whole season. You don't even need for him to be healthy week one, week two. What you need from him is a four-week stretch where he booms and you can start him three you know three of those times where he you don't start him the first time because you gotta trust him you have to he has to earn your trust and then he goes crazy and then you start him a couple more times and he can help turn your matchups i think he can still do that like i i think the fact that he's actually back and probably gonna play week one I'm more encouraged by that than discouraged. The opposite of you, like I, I would be floored if the Chiefs are, are rushing him back. So I just think it's a, 
more just a positive sign for his health. I, I just think like my prediction for him is going to be, you know, can he stay healthy and play a whole season? No, I'm never going to predict that. I've got to see it to believe it. But he's going to have a stretch this season where he's being ranked inside the top 24. That's my prediction on Kadarius Tony this season. That would be absolutely insane. It is wild. Uh, some of the players being drafted right next to him, like um, just looking at this, Romeo Dubs is a player being drafted yeah. next to him. And I mean, I, I don't think I would take Kadarius Tony over him every time. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with Traylon Burks, but those two players I really don't like. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm still that's probably. Funny. Uh, I, I I would take Burks over him. So that's funny. I'm in, but would that take is Burks funny. over him. Yeah, I, I just can't do it. I need to see him on the field. I need to see him to play more than 50% of a team's snaps before I'm in at this point. I get it for sure. Rashad Bateman, another guy that we desperately need to see on the field. He is the wide receiver 53 in Fantasy Pros ADP, 143 overall. So a full 30 spots after Kadarius Tony Dalton in or out on Rashad Bateman at this price. Yeah, this one makes no sense. I would draft Rashad Bateman. Over Karis Tony. Yeah, me too. In this, like, if you put me in round like eight and was like, who do you want? It'd be I, th I, I think I have Bateman wide receiver 38, 39. So a full like 15 receiver spots and probably 40 spots in the overall ranks higher if I did those. Yeah, I know we keep saying it. This Ravens passing offense is going to hit. All these guys are probably underrated at this point, in my opinion. Rashad Bateman's practicing. Like, yeah. He had his little injury scare to start it with the cortisone shot, and now he's practicing. And when he was on the field, was the only time Lamar Jackson had his 300-yard games. Rashad Bateman during that span had two 100-yard games. It was very good last year. The offense is taking a step forward. Uh, the only, I, I don't understand this, this draft slot at all. He should be within the top 40 of receivers uh, on hype alone. And I, yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, I do get to some extent because – he can't. He hasn't proven he can stay on the field, and people are looking at the competition. I think those are the the two things. And for me, at fifty three overall, it's like I don't care about either of those things. He is healthy right now. He is going to play week one. Knock on wood. If nothing happens between now and then, like this is a guy that I think is the most obvious candidate of anybody in this range to be a starter week two or week three on your fantasy football team. If you take him late, if he plays well, because he's proven he can separate at all three levels. He's proven to me to be a good NFL wide receiver. And it's really, it's just health. It is just health with this guy and he is healthy right now. So, you know, could he get hurt again in a month? Maybe, but at 143 overall, like, you know, Tony wasn't quite free. This is, Border, bordering free. Yeah. And I mean, everybody gets hurt. It's how football works. These guys go out there and they, they ram their bodies into each other for 40, 60 minutes. They're yeah. going to get hurt. Gonna I happen. will say, I will say the repeat uh, foot injury. Like I understand the, the concern because he's having the core zone shots in the foot and he had the foot stuff last year. So like, I get how that's a little bit different than a normal injury. Yeah. But I would have that concern if he was wide receiver 30. Yeah. I wouldn't have that concern when he was going behind Mike Thomas, who yeah played four games last year and yeah. then didn't play three years before that because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. He is, I think, still played more games than Michael Thomas in the last couple of years, and he has not played many. So that that is saying something. Now, a guy who I think has played less games than both of those guys, Dalton, 
now he's only been in the league one year, is Jamison Williams. Wide receiver, 55 overall, number 149 overall in drafts. And, you know, I'm just going to come out and say I am out, out at this price. I, I get it. Um, he's got the talent. I get the prospect profile. I love them as a prospect. I, I still love him long term. Like, I, I just traded, as you know, in our Dynasty League, a future, very future, 2026 first-round pick for this guy in our league. So I, I'm in on the long-term development. But he, unless you have an IR spot in your league, there, he's just not draftable, in my opinion. The guy has suspended six games. Week seven, there's just no chance you're starting him. Week eight, he'd have to have a blow-up game in week seven for you to start him in week eight, which is probably not going to happen, but maybe it will, but probably not. Week nine, they're on a bye. And then week 10, like I think week 10 is about as early as you're starting him. And so to me, whoever drafts him at this price, like that's just, that's going to be the first guy they drop when they, when they have a roster crunch with injuries, or that's going to be a, if a team is one and three, that's going to be a very obvious buy low for other people in the league. So I am interested in a midseason buy low on Jamison Williams off of struggling teams, not interested in drafting and stashing him for what I think is literally going to be over half the season before I have a chance to play him. Yeah, I am in the opposite of you. I'm in, but first, if, if your league does have IR, I think I'm even more in. It's pretty why, easy. Why are you more in if there's no IR? If, you're t- if your league has an IR. Oh, not if they don't. <laughs> no. I was like, uh, why would you be more in if you have to have a bench spot on? Okay. I love holding players who aren't going to play on my bench. <laughs> it is so <laughs> enjoyable. Um, no, I mean, this could be one of those situations. I'm not going to call it o- Odell's rookie season where he suddenly comes out and blows up because that's not what it will be. But the Lions are desperate for playmakers at this point. I mean, behind... Amron St. Brown is like 33-year-old Marvin Jones, career journeyman Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, two rookies, uh, and they need somebody there. And I just want to take the dart throw on it because I think their passing offense is going to be pretty good and their defense is still going to be pretty bad. And they play in a dome, so it's always good points for them. Uh, And I just like taking that dart throw because, like you said, He's a first-round draft pick. The talent is clearly there, and I I just want to have that on my roster instead of holding like a – I don't know, like KJ Osborne as my last wide receiver on my roster. I'd rather just have uh, Jameson Williams. Who so, because starting KJ Osborne is as close to a zero as I can get in the same case as starting, you know. Jameson hey, KJ Osborne had like a thirty-point game last year. This guy has one catch for forty-one yards and a touchdown. Do you know who also had a thirty-point game? Miles Gaskin. Where is he now? <laughs> he is cut. Thank you. Called that one three years ago. No, he's a Viking now. Good try. Oh yeah. Viking, sorry. Cut yesterday, Viking today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, again, I like the long-term prognosis. I'm even somewhat optimistic for the week 11 through 16 prognosis because I'm with you. They need, not only do they need more playmakers, they need the specific kind of playmaker that he is, which is a downfield vertical threat. It's why they took a a real shot in the dark on Denzel Mims and, and brought him in before Mims got injured and I think is is now off the team. Like they clearly need that role, but I just don't he would have to come out and be truly special in the first week or two 
for him to be usable until like week 10, I think. And then at that point, that that's just a long time, long, long time to have someone. Again, if you have IR spots, it's a little bit different. But if you don't, which th- th- I think there are plenty of redraft leagues that do not have IR yeah. spots. M- maybe yeah, that's definitely common. Maybe, maybe more have them now than used to because of the COVID stuff um, in the last couple of years, being able to put those guys on IR. But yeah, I just I think it's a really tough thing to clog your roster with a guy like that that is you know you're not going to get for two months. But I get the upside case for sure, for sure. I get it. Yeah, that's that's all. I mean, because that's like almost last pick of your draft in most redraft leagues. Yep. Just don't take a kicker at a defense. <laughs> well, if you need to start him, you might want to pick one up before uh, Thursday. All right, Dalton. Last guy, Deshaun Watson, QB nine, eighty one overall. This was one we said we were going to be watching closely, watching reports, watching preseason, seeing what he looked like, what others are saying about him. We've got as much info as we can at this point uh, from then until your drafts this weekend. What in the world are you doing with Deshaun Watson at this price? I'm not taking him. I, if you, First of all, I, I got to watch all of his snaps against the Chiefs in the final preseason game. A Chiefs defense that's going to be very bad start the year, and a Chiefs defense that wasn't playing all of their starters. Yeah, I was going to say um, that there were multiple starters not playing. Excluding the long touchdown to or the long pass to Amari Cooper, uh, I think Deshaun Watson had like eight completions. He ended up at, with a 50% completion rate, multiple short yarded situations because the Chiefs backups were throwing picks uh, like crazy, and he just didn't look good. And, and then the Browns were running empty backfields and five wide receiver sets and were get, and then the Chiefs were getting pressure on the Browns with our second string unit against their first string offensive line. Like all of those things are bad to me. Last year, we threw out the window to Sean Watson's poor preseason performance because he was rusty from football. This year, it looks like the offense is still tailored for him. And I, I just I don't see it. I mean, he threw some goose duck, like some ducks. In that there, there, there was a throw or two where it was – I don't know if anyone has seen the video just on Twitter. I think Warren Sharp put it up where it's all of his pass attempts of like 10 yards or more or 20 yards or more maybe. I don't remember what it was. It, some, somewhere in like that mid-range. And so many of them were 10 yards over a guy's head out of bounds. Just no chance. The guy's covered. Like clearly there has to be another read you should have been looking at because that guy – is not open and it wasn't just one or two it was a lot he had a couple passes against the chiefs where it just kind of sent a shudder down my spine because i was like Ugh, that kind of looked like what we saw last season <laughs> down, down the stretch of last year now i'm, I'm out as well I, I am very out of all the guys on this list he's the one that i'm the most out on even like i would rather draft jonathan taylor at wherever his price settles in the 20s than draft Deshaun watson to be my, my my starting quarterback because like he just we have not seen this guy look good in a football game for three years. I I think he's going to be better than he was last year, not necessarily fantasy wise, just real NFL. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last season. I think he'll be better than that, but I don't think we're going to be seeing the old Deshaun Watson maybe ever again, but definitely not this season. As usual, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of, of the two extremes of this year, but I'm just not going to pay a starting quarterback price for him for a guy that I have not seen the flashes that I wanted to see. And it's not just the preseason games We're we're getting leaks out of camp that, you know, oh the passing offense, like 
not gonna lie, guys, it looked it looked pretty rough today. Like it, it did not did not look good. We've been getting some of those, and when you get some of those, you have to start being concerned because we we always say it. When you hear positive stuff, you have to take it with a major, major grain of salt. Anything negative, like that is the stuff that does not usually get out. So when you hear that, it is very concerning. And I'm just not going to let Deshaun Watson be the guy that gets me stuck in the Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, <laughs> Matthew Stafford, roulette of streaming quarterbacks because I gambled on Deshaun Watson as QB9. Not going to do it. Yeah, and if you're looking for free money right now, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Browns week one, Bengals are favored, or favored by two and a half. Like, well, you know, that's what I thought last year, and the Bengals yeah. lost by like 30. To well, me, so. you know, I don't think Miles Garrett's going to do what Watt did. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's only, he's got Orlando Brown blocking him. You're right. He'll, I'm sure he'll. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but I mean, just all in all to say, like, I am not excited about this offense. I'm excited about Nick Chubb. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think Deshaun Watson might just suck forever. Uh, and I'm ready to go on record with that one because it's he, possible he's really he's really not trending in a positive direction, and it's really bad. Like the Chiefs' defense already sucks, and it didn't have Chris Jones or Nick Bolton, which are two of their best players, and he still sucked. And it's just I can't get my head around. It. I understand people drafting him for what he was three years ago, but there's just no body of evidence to lead me to believe he's going to do that again. And I, it's I, I was just, willing to do it if I saw some flashes, heard some good things, or more importantly, didn't hear negative things. But just when I I don't feel any better about the Deshaun Watson football news cycle, keyword football news cycle, <laughs> than, than I did, you know, at this point a month ago. So I I just don't see how you can do it. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I think like the QB fourteen or fifteen range is where I'm willing to start taking that gamble. Yeah, and I guess you know you've got to know your league. If if, if it's a one QB league and no, like maybe 14 guys get drafted. I guess I can see it. But even like I said, I just don't, I don't want to gamble on this guy who's shown me no reason I should gamble on him and end up in the Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, you know, Kirk Cousins is probably a, a, a slight cut above, but end up streaming where, you know, I can just take Anthony Richardson, take that same gamble, but, but one that I just, I think there's more upside, which is crazy to say about, a rookie compared to a guy who led the NFL in passing before Anthony Richardson was maybe even playing football. He started playing football yeah. so recently, but just the, the rushing, the rushing is there. We, and the passing, the passing could be the same. Like it could be very much equal between those two guys this season, which is an indictment on Deshaun Watson. I, I'm just, I'm taking the shot on Richardson. If, if either of those guys and they're both being drafted, I think it's like QB nine and 10. Right, no, actually, Richardson was lower on fantasy pros. I know he's higher on underdog, though. But no, yeah, underdog, I, he's 11, and Watson is 9. He He's Dude. still like QB 16 on fantasy pros, consensus ADP. Yeah, so, that's free money. So the home leagues, you can get them. So, yeah, home leagues, which are the leagues probably drafting at this point, this weekend for the most part, just, just take your high upside shot with Richardson. And then if it doesn't work out, I just like – we just, I hate feeling dumb, and I'll feel a lot less dumb if Anthony Richardson doesn't work out than if Deshaun Watson doesn't work out. That That's just what it comes down to, really. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm in lockstep with you on that one. All right. That is a good transition into some draft strategies, Dalton. Uh, didn't give a whole lot of uh, 
instruction for this. Just going to be a pretty, pretty open in the conversation. Talk about some of our favorite draft strategies, uh, favorite things to, I guess, uh, ways you should prep for your draft, things you should be aware of as you're drafting, things of that nature. And I, I guess first, before we jump into maybe some more higher level strategies, just off the top, read your league rules, know your league scoring system, you know, pay attention to IR spots or not, as we just talked about with Jamison Williams or, or guys like that. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, like may- maybe you feel a little bit better about drafting Taylor if you can then, just, I mean, it's different. He's not free, but maybe you'd be a little more likely to take him if you could put him on IR. So pay attention to that stuff. And then obviously if it's a rando league, you can't know your league, but if it's a league you've been in, you know, sometimes the blanket advice just doesn't work as well for the leagues because your home league, that draft board is going to look so much different than the draft boards that we're talking about that all the other, you know, fantasy guys are talking about. So really knowing your league, knowing tendencies, knowing what position is valued. Like does your league go crazy on running back early in drafts? I know Dalton and I used to be in a league where it was like 10 running backs in the first 11 picks. Always. There were hardly any receivers that would go first round. So I think that's first and foremost, but Dalton, now anything to add to that. And if not, um, what would you like to start off with on the more higher level in-depth uh, strategy that you think about when you're entering drafts? I mean, just to reiterate, uh, I do really think you need to read the rules. Uh, there are sometimes GMs don't read the rules. <laughs> uh, and there's like a fumble rule or something that players lose points for fumbling the ball if they don't recover it. And no one knows until it becomes a problem. Uh so do that. Make my, sure. my, minus one point for fumbles recovered was the funniest thing that ever happened to our league, though, I will it, say. It was certainly something. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to skip the usual stuff that I think everybody knows by now, but, like, don't draft a kicker, don't draft a defense. Like, yeah. We're a week away, and I'm st- I still wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, just but, go pick him up off waivers the night before. Yeah, and, and take, like, some guys who you think might be, like, early hits who you could keep. Like, who do you think is going to get injured in the next week? I would probably draft one of Jonathan Taylor's backups to see who's announced a starter and see if I can trade him real quick. Things like that. Um, but looking at kind of the way fantasy football ADP is this year, I think in the first round, and this goes against a lot of my feelings on fantasy football, I am drafting one of the elite RBs, not named Austin Eckler. Really? Yeah. We just had this arc. We just yeah, had the, the mock draft. Yeah. So um, what, that, just, that, that was my first one, but I was ready to have the <laughs> argument with you. Oh, this is terrible. We agreed too much well, this so, offseason. Well, so who are you taking one overall then? I'm back to CMC. I've, oh, my God. After I've all that. It, I've come to – the reason is it is dark days out there <laughs> when it comes to a workhorse running back. And if you have a pick where you can get a workhorse running back, you are, like, locked in. But those are very few and far between. Look, I mean, I love Tony Pollard. I'm going to draft Tony Pollard. But Tony Pollard has the exact same volume concerns as J.K. Dobbins, and he's the RB7, 8. So, like, you know, it does yeah. not take long to start getting into some kind of question mark at running back outside of just the usual health. Yeah, I mean, you have CMC, Bijan, Nick Chubb, Saquon, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. 
Yeah, I think you got put. I mean, I know you just called him a bust a couple weeks yeah. ago, but I would put Josh Jacobs in that top tier. And then personally. Najee Harris are the only. The, I'm not saying guys this is trap. I'm saying guys who have a solid RB one workload in the NFL. But like, like you know, you, you take Jonathan Taylor out of the picture now. You're like, yeah, we're already is. we're already shallow. You're getting guys like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon up a lot higher than I want them to be. But there's just yeah. nobody else. And now there's there's no Brees Hall as the lead back. We know Dalvin yeah. Cook's going to be there. We know, and then we lost Ramondre. Like they're, they're dropping like flies, <laughs> and you, you need to just get one big dog to lead your team. Uh, I mean, even recently there was the news that Kyron Williams and Cam Akers are going to be a one-two punch. I don't know if you read that, but Sean I'll, McVay, I'll, I'll believe that. One I know, but I'm just saying, Sean, like, if, Sean McVay is the most notorious liar outside of Pete Carroll I've ever seen. It's just continued concern. The only time I'm not drafted a workhorse RB in the first round is when I know I can get James Conner, my guy, in round six <laughs> because he's also going to be a lead back and he's one of the few in the NFL to do it. Uh, but no, if I have an early pick. Uh, so how do you I, do that? You you just like psychoanalyze, you know that James Conner, oh, this draft he'll be there round six for sure. I gaslight all my league mates into thinking towards ACL <laughs> and turn the internet off of the house. <laughs> so yeah, I that was my same first thing for a lot of that same reason that you just laid out. Um, I did find this this study from uh oh, I feel bad. I typed the guy's name down and I don't know where it went. Well, this is unfortunate. I did find a study from somebody from someplace. <laughs> that's that yeah way way to credit him evan good job way to be a good journalist um it went back 10 years and you know just looked or no sorry this is a, this is why i can't find it i have a different study for a different one that went back 10 years this one was uh, this was an evan Riggs special this was an evan study so it's a lot more shallow than the other one um i went back to 2013 and just looked at the top couple guys just just to see what the finishes were like and 10 or sorry, 14 of the 20 players to finish top two at, at position. So running back, tight end, uh, receiver. 14 of those 20 are running back. Six of those 20 are wide receiver. And funny enough, like from 2013 to 2015 was when four of those receiver finishes happened, which Antonio Brown uh, is a couple of those. Julio Jones was one. And then we had the Cooper Cup and Michael Thomas. So it's taken record-breaking seasons the last handful of years for those receivers to crack that that top two now that's obviously a high standard i'm a little less extreme than you like i'll take justin jefferson at, at four overall you know I'll, I'll do that but i am definitely leaning running back with my first couple of picks i'm less afraid of eckler than you probably not taking him at two or three but maybe like five uh, i'll take eckler but yeah just Running backs are a lot more likely to score more fantasy points than wide receivers at the very top end if you can pick the right one. Now, obviously, that's a trick. It's it's very, very difficult to, to get lucky and to pick the right guy. But I, I just think that the upside you have with running back is just greater and a wider path than you have with receiver. And I know receiver gets a little scarier, a little quicker than it used to. But you look at that 20 to 40 range, even at running back, you, you can start at 12 and look 12 to 40. But let's just go 20 to 40. I really tend to lean wide receiver over running back outside of a couple, a very select few running backs in that range. The RB 30 is Brian Robinson. The wide receiver 30 is Tyler Lockett. Yeah. If you were constructing a roster 
and you were forced in a vacuum to pick which one of those players is going to score more points, it's Tyler Lockett almost every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the inverse of it, Tyler Lockett could have like an 80% Justin Jefferson season, but I don't think Brad Robertson is ever having an 80% Christian McCaffrey season. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And that kind of leads into my next point that, that really, you know, is illustrated by what you're saying is do not reach in the running back dead zone. It's tempting every year rounds four through seven, you get there, you have one running back, two receivers, or, or you have, you know, one running back, three receivers and a quarterback as you get a little bit later. And you're just like, man, I have to get a running back two for this team. Or like round seven, it's like, God, I just need a running back three that I can start if my if my top two guys, if one of them goes down or during a bye week or whatever. And just don't do it. It it, it does not ever work out well. Now, that's not to say you can't ever draft a guy in the dead zone. That's where Josh Jacobs was last year. That's where guys like J.K. Dobbins, Isaiah Pacheco, James Conner, that's where they are this year. We, we like those guys. We're in favor of drafting them. But if you're going to draft a guy in that range, you've got to like the player, not what you think the situation is, because all of those guys in that range have questions. That's why they're there. But you just have to, I think, take the guy that you like as a player because it can work out like Josh Jacobs, where if things break the right way for a guy you like, that's how you find uh, a league winner. But do not reach for a guy just because of the perceived situation. And here's the study. Uh, Kevin Tompkins from Fantasy Alarm did a zero running back study last season. He looked at total RB1 scoring by ADP. So just looking at rounds one through three versus rounds four through eight. Rounds one through three, 96 to 38 in 2021. That is total RB1 finishes. It is 84 to 37, 98 to 57, and the 77 to 44 each of the next two years back to 2017. All of that to illustrate, it is very difficult to find those guys that can give you RB1 weeks in that dead zone. So don't think you've got to reach for a guy just to fill a spot because at the end of the day, you're not drafting a starting lineup right now. You're, you're drafting the best assets possible because you can make trades. As long as you're in a league that can make trades and in a league that does make trades, you can make trades. You don't win your league on, on draft day. Yeah. Well, and, and the final thing is just waiver management with that. Uh, there's a lot of replacement level running back waiver value early in the season. It's not so much with the wide receiver position. I think, we as fantasy analysts in the fantasy community is better at identifying wide receiver talent than we are at which running back is going to do well because running back performance is really tied to the number of touches they get wide receivers. Uh, they can pop off on three catches and pretty consistently, you know, who's going to do that for yep. you. Yep. Agreed there. All right, Dalton, do you have another one you'd like to get to here? Yeah. My next one is risky late, not early. Uh, I like to take my risky picks later in drafts uh and i mean that especially when it comes to guys who are already injured a la like Kadarius tony um i would rather take those risks later in the draft because there's less value lost but then you have guys going in the fourth round right now like kenneth walker who hasn't practiced all off season 
uh, I would rather take Rashad Penny than Ken Walker, both players who are oft injured, both players who have a very high risk profile associated with that injury, but I'm losing a lot less. Uh, the reason for that is it's pretty, pretty cut and dry to me. If you don't draft one of those guys, you win games earlier. And I know that sounds dumb, but the player who drafted those and is trying to replace their round three pick with wins is going to have more trouble doing it and is going to be a very, very easy opponent to trade with in the future because they're going to need those wins and they're going to be willing to sell the guy that costs them those wins very early on. So I always try to mitigate my risk later in the draft. There, there are guys out there with clear risk profiles in the early rounds um, that I'm just going to continue to avoid. And in the inverse of that, I'm going to try to probably turn back later in the season and get those guys on cheaper deals because their risk profiles hurt their fantasy owners. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly with you. I, I'm a little bit more willing to take a risk earlier in a draft than you, but it's like one major risk in the first six or seven rounds. And if you do it, you've got to insulate those guys with, like, let's just say I'm trying to think of a running back example, because like the example that pops to mind last year is Saquon Barkley. He was a guy that was a value because of the perceived risk, and then he turns out to be awesome and stayed healthy and was great and a great pick at the price that he costs you. So like a guy like that, if you're taking a guy like that in the first round or two, or even a Kenneth Walker in the fourth round or whatever the case may be, you've got to find some receivers that you think are rock solid. And in that case, I, I am more likely to look at a quarterback, to look at a tight end. Now it's got to be the right tight end and you can't be reaching for it, but I'm more open to, to that possibility if I do go risky with a pick because I'm trying to get an advantage elsewhere. If I feel like I have high variance at another spot on my team. Yeah. And I definitely get that. I look this profile. I know this is like really splitting hairs, but early this off season or this um, practice season, Garrett Wilson had a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. I like, even with his risk profile, he's going at like wide receiver, eight uh, like the tail end of the first round in the second round if i am looking at players who i think could potentially be hampered at all to start the season him being one i'm probably taking omron st brown or chris olave or t higgins at that same spot and just hoping that that small risk turns into a big problem for my my league mates mm -hmm. are there any guys late in drafts because that that's really where you can obviously a lot more easily get guys who can be more plug and play. Are, are there any guys that you'd like with a, with a high floor, you can plug them in, get, get a decent bit of production. If you do take a risk earlier in a draft, cause like, you know, we both said earlier, we like JK Dobbins. I think that would be perceived as a pretty big time risk in the first four or five rounds. So it's not like you're saying yeah. don't take any. So are there, is there anybody late in the draft at receiver or running back that, that you like to kind of mitigate the early risk? I mean, in my opinion, some easy wins, like I think Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, either or, are going to be big early season hits. You have Damian Harris, who I think is going to get the goal line play. And yes, he's not going to get 20 touches a game, but you have this high upside. Sky Moore, very obviously mm -hmm. big fan of his play. And then, I mean, Nico Collins is the wide receiver one on his team, and I think he's going outside the top 130 players. Like those are all guys I think you can take late and feel comfortable with. And then like as a real hedge to, I would never take two backfield mates in a redraft league. 
Um, but as a real hedge to any concerns, Samaj P. Ryan, like if Javante Williams. That, that's what I was going to say. Samaj yeah. P. Ryan, not even, doesn't have to be as a handcuff, but he's no. a guy that you could easily see as a fill-in starter uh, for a risky player. Yeah. And then like, there's like the most consistent. Jalen Warren is another guy I like in that yeah. same ilk too. And then you have like Tyler Boyd, who's like one of the most consistent wide receivers and, and one of the only sure handcuffs. He has like three straight years of 100 yard seasons and he plays on a good offense. Those are all guys that I think you can take late that kind of ensure your team that even if you have some busts, you're going to be putting a, a competitive lineup out there. And at the very least, you're not getting whatever the worst punishment is in your league for taking last place with those guys on your roster. Yep, I'm with you. And then, you know, talking about the later rounds, I we've already held this a little bit, so I won't hammer home too much, but take risks. T- take the high upside guys in the late rounds. You basically said that too. It's why I'm one of the draft guys like Rashad Bateman and Kadarius Tony in the later rounds. You can easily find those spot starts in the bye weeks on waivers if you need it probably without having to drop one of those guys, I I would imagine. Like, the more I hear about Juju Smith-Schuster and his knee, the more worried I get. And and he's a guy, like, I look at him and his ADP. I'm taking Bateman over him. I'm taking Tony over him. I'm taking Sky Moore over him. Like, it just seems like something isn't quite right. The explosiveness isn't quite there with him. And we kind of saw that at the end of last season, rearing its ugly head, too. So, like, it's why I'm not – I'm a lot more likely to take that shot as opposed to a Juju or a Jacoby Myers or a, a somebody because I'm not trying to draft the the wide receiver 39 at the wide receiver 55 pick. You know, I'm, I'm trying to draft the the wide receiver 25 at the wide receiver fit, like a guy that can actually make a difference in just small stretches of a season because you know if, if a guy can win you a couple of weeks like that that alone is going to make him worth the the bench pick yeah well that leads into mine which is maximize your roster space week one you start in most leagues one quarterback and one tight end those positions are valuable in fantasy football but it's pretty well documented how valuable they're last year the qb8 and the qb18 the total difference in scoring was 60 points Mm -hmm. and the tight end nine and the tight end 19 the total difference in scoring was 48 points. Like those are very small margins. So instead of taking a backup quarterback and a backup tight end in your draft, knowing you're not going to start either of them week one, I would stack up on some of these like moonshot guys you're looking at. Like, yep. hey, what if Nico Hardman is suddenly what everybody thought he was? That's not a, not a player I'm advising you take. But don't double up or triple up on tight ends and quarterbacks because those positions are never going to get you value unless your league's like a real – Real dud league, and everybody needs all three tight ends. Instead, like, I don't know, go out there and see if there's hype around uh, Sam Laporta or if Luke Musgrave really is going to be, like, the tight end. Take Mm -hmm. one of those guys and leave it. Um, And just don't take these retreads who we know they're not good in the NFL. Take some of these rookie guys who hit on the second half of their season. Uh, Jaden Reed, a deep, deep target. Marvin Mims, another deep target. Guys that you can get for free and still – Hope they turn into something. Yep. And that is a perfect transition into my last point here, which is take late round shots on rookies. We see it every year. There are guys outside of the 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 first round NFL draft picks who who win you leagues because they're undrafted or they're your last pick and they end up finishing top 30 or whatever at the position or points per game at the position, whatever the case may be. Jaden Reed, Jonathan Mingo, Marvin Mims, like Tajay Spears has to have a Derrick Henry injury, but Tajay Spears is probably my favorite handcuff 
to take in in all drafts right now because I I love that guy's talent. Electric guy. I'm I'm concerned about the long term with the no ACLs thing, but for right now, like I I like him. I think he's gonna actually get a little bit of playing time with Henry this year, which will be interesting. But yeah, he's one of my favorite handcuffs. I like Reed. Um, I was just listening to JJ Zacharyson on the Chris Harris football show. And he was talking about how much he likes Jaden Reed as well, how he just scored so well in his prospect model. And back when that happened, he he DM'd Matt Harmon and was like, hey, can you take a look at this guy and let me know, like, tape-wise what it says? And, like, tape-wise, like, Matt Harmon. Also, he's like a Matt Harmon guy. Matt Harmon loves him. So the analytics and the tape are intersecting with Jaden Reed. He's a guy I like taking late shots on. You look at that receiver room, it doesn't exactly – terrify you the quarterback does but that's the topic for another time uh jonathan mingo again just a worthy late round shot i think the panthers might have the worst receiving room in the league marvin mims now i will say about marvin mims i i don't know i'd be curious to go find what his adp just in the last 10 days is because my guess is that price is starting to crawl up and it might be starting to crawl up a little bit higher than i'd like post jerry judy injury we'll see if uh potential news of Judy playing week one impacts that. But in general, if, if Mims is going, you know, later in draft still in your draft. Yeah. He, he's a guy that I love to probably even more so than Jaden Reed this year. It's slightly though. I think both are, are really good. I, I just think, yeah, like you said, find a guy with that league winning upside. And these rookies are, have been one of the most common spots. We've found it over the last couple of years. And some of these guys, Jaden Reed, Marvin Mims, think Jonathan Mingo maybe not right away but I think all those guys are going to be starters by week four on their team yeah no I think so too and I think uh taking some of those rookies Kendra Miller is another good yeah. option who's out there who might even get work week one yeah what what happens if Miller is just awesome the first couple of weeks is he the the running back two when Kamara comes back you know yeah um so take those gambles on those guys where it's a little unsure even I mean you're going to love this one. And I had it written down, but like Jordan Mason behind the off danger, <laughs> Elijah Mitchell, that's another guy that's worth yeah. like a, a moonshot. Um, and just really wrap this, these strategies up, despite everything we're saying, if you go into your draft and you're like, I have to walk out with defense, I have the defense of the year for you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's, defensive advice. It's easy. You can probably get them on waivers because they they don't profile to be that good on paper, but it's the New Orleans Saints. I knew you were going to say it because I was good. I was like, I bet I was like, I guarantee it's the Saints. Yeah. Read, me their, read me their schedule. I know what it go. is. We are looking at their schedule. Titans week one and eh, worst offensive line in football. Sacks are already there. All right. Week two, we get the rookie, Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young. Week three, you want to talk about somebody worse than Bryce Young? And I'm already going to say that one Jordan Love and the Packers. We got another one. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and get another bad QB in this. We got Baker Mayfield coming to town. <laughs> Then we have the New England Patriots. Then we have the Houston Texans. The first good team they play is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then after that, they play the Colts, the Bears. And they're going to start off the season strong. They're going to be a good, good fantasy defense for a while to go. And then if you're a really savvy fantasy manager, they end the year against the Giants. And then they play the Rams, who definitely will have given up on football by that week. And the Buccaneers again, who it's either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield the day before New Year's, they will win you your league if you still have defenses in it. I love them. Uh, they're, they're a stash and play all season long. I'm going to make a note to, to clip this this part of the pot. Not that I necessarily disagree 
with uh, with the take of them because yeah, on paper it looks it looks wonderful. The matchups are great. It's just gonna be really funny if Derrick Henry crushes your dreams in week one and then everyone drops them because they're pissed off. Well, they shouldn't drop them because week two they get Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, like I just said, I think the Panthers may have the worst receiving room. Although Amir Smith Marset. PFF's number one grade receiver in the preseason. Yeah, I remember a few years ago when Zach Zinner was their number one graded running back in the preseason. I don't this, know where he is now. This is totally different because I agree with this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dalton, anything else to add before we jump out of here and send everybody into their fantasy football drafts? I think that wraps it up. Uh, just remember, draft a QB late, don't draft defense, don't draft a kicker, and only draft winners. Go draft Draft great or draft late with tight ends and quarterbacks. That that has always been the right. You gave me a weird look. No, you're good. Okay, I was like, wait, did I mess it up? No, yeah, dra- draft great or draft late with quarterbacks and tight ends. All right, that is going to do it for episode 115 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Half Point Per Podcast. The link to all of that in the show notes as always we may not have nfl back but we do have college football back this weekend it is labor day i hope you guys all enjoy a three-day weekend fantasy drafts college football can't ask for much more than that thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you again with maybe some nfl preview stuff next week